It is so good to see you this morning, so thankful you've chosen to be with us. It's sort of an overcast sky outside today, but inside we have sunny hearts, and we hope that we can leave this place with even sunnier hearts than we have already this morning. Maybe you're here today and you're visiting. If you are, we want you to know that you're welcome here at Midway. We want you to come back and be with us, bring someone with you. If we didn't get to meet you this morning as you came in, hope you'll hang around long enough for us uh, before you leave today that, that we will indeed get to meet you and greet you and let you know that we are happy that you're here with us today. You know, through the years, as I have thought back over them this week and thought about the things that we wanted to say today, I, I thought about the fact that there were times when people, they, shall we just say, disappointed me. I can think about folks that, that did some things that, that I thought weren't right, maybe even said some things about me that, that weren't right, weren't true. And, and you know what? I, I know I'm not the only one. I know there are a lot of folks here today who have had the same experience in their life. There, there are people. You've probably been hurt by someone somewhere along in your lifespan. Somewhere somebody has done something or said something. It may have been that there was a person, perhaps a friend or a family member, who, who said something about you. They spread rumors about you. The things that they said about you, they weren't true. They said them behind your back. They did all kinds of things. And, and man, you felt like you were hurt by that person. Maybe, maybe you loaned some money to a friend. And, and you expected to get paid back that money. You needed that money. You know, it, it, you, you've got expenses. You've got a family. You've got all these things. But... But your heart was good and you wanted to help that friend and, and you haven't seen a dime of that money back. It, it may be that somewhere in your past, maybe you had a parent when you were growing up that was abusive to you. I hope that wasn't the case, but perhaps they were abusive to you. They, they may have been verbally abusive. They may have been physically abusive. They may have been emotionally abusive to you, perhaps even sexually abusive to you. You were hurt, hurt as you grew up by that parent, that family member, or someone else who was near to you. You know, it, it may have been that you married the love of your life, or at least you thought that it was the love of your life, and that person, they walked out on you, they walked out with someone else, they left you with nothing except perhaps the children and some bills, and, and you struggled to raise those children. You struggled to provide for them. I could go on this morning thinking about ways that people have been hurt by friends. I can't name all of them, but, but I do know that there are people in our world who are hurting, and they have been hurt by people. You know, sometimes when we think about that, though, when people hurt us, it is sometimes people who didn't intend to hurt us. They, they're just imperfect people. They, they didn't really intend to hurt us, but they did anyway. And, and, and as a result of that, you know, we, we need to forgive them. We need to be willing to forgive them. But we also need to remember that there are folks out there who are just bad people. They're wicked people. They do bad things. And our world has seemingly forgotten that there, there are people who are bad people. And, and there are people there that are like that. And we need to realize that as well. But, but this morning, as we think about people who, who hurt us, you know, generally when we think about someone hurting us or betraying us, we have a, a reaction, don't we? What's the reaction that most people have? Well, 
the reaction is we want to retaliate. And we retaliate in three different ways. Sometimes we retaliate with physical violence, don't we? Man, they, they hurt us, they say something about us, and we draw back and we just lay them out. You know, we want to put them down on their back. We want to knock them out. And so we react with physical violence toward them. Not only do we react sometimes with physical violence, but sometimes we just have that verbal assault, don't we? I'm going to let them know what I think. I may cuss them out. Now, I didn't say I would do that, but that's the way people do. We, we just give them a piece of our mind. We have that verbal assault that we have upon them. It may be that we don't actually strike them, we don't react with physical violence, and it may be that we don't let them know what we're really thinking about them, we don't uh, launch into that verbal attack, we just give them that cold shoulder treatment, don't we? You know, we really never say anything, but we do everything that we can to let them know we're angry at them. We avoid them. We don't want to talk to them. We, we ignore them to the best of our ability. We want them to know that they've hurt us. We won't say it, but we'll give them that cold shoulder. You ever tried that? You know, sometimes that happens not just, you know, in, in the workplace and other places like that. Sometimes that one happens at home where husbands or wives, they, they will give the cold shoulder treatment to their spouse. And, and that's not really good, is it? There are ways that we react. And, and you know what? I believe that every time that we are hurt by folks, especially those of us who are Christians, we have a reaction, don't we? Maybe we don't retaliate. Maybe we do, but we always ask a question, did I handle it in the right way? You ever thought about that? You go back and you get to thinking about it and you, you wish maybe you'd handled it differently or you'd handled it better and, and you question, did I, did I do the right thing? Well, you know, we always, we always want to know that. We always want to, to get back. As I think about that this morning, I want to call out a name and I want you to think about the first thing that comes to your mind. First thing that comes to your mind when I call out the name Judas. Name Judas always, almost always comes with the word betrayer, doesn't it? He's the one who betrayed Jesus. And whenever we think about Judas, he is the one who betrayed Jesus. Now say that one more time. He is the one who betrayed Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Jesus knows how it feels to be betrayed. You see, when we say Judas is the one who betrayed Jesus, we're actually saying Jesus was betrayed. And when Jesus was betrayed, he knows exactly how it feels to be betrayed, doesn't he? And so when I'm asking if I handle things in the right way, I need to remember Jesus was betrayed. And, and you know, even though he was betrayed, he was perfect. And when he was betrayed, I can, I can understand, I can know that he handled the situation in the right way. He handled it perfectly, didn't he? And so if I can learn some things from Jesus about how to act when friends don't act friendly, when they hurt us, when they betray us, that's exactly what I want to do. And fortunately this morning, we can learn from him. We can know some of the things that he did. John chapter 13 
you have your Bible, you may want to turn over there and hold your finger in that place. We're going to be spending a lot of time there this morning in John chapter 13. But John chapter 13 is is sometimes called that foot-washing chapter. It's that chapter where Jesus, after the, 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 on the night of, uh, before he was to be crucified, it, it was on that night that they had gathered together for the Passover and, and they had gotten there and nobody had washed their feet, nobody had gotten any water out. But Jesus gets up from the meal and, and he takes off his outer garment, his coat, and he puts on a towel around his waist, the Bible says, and he gets down and he starts to scrub the dirty, stinking, nasty feet of the apostles who were there. We think about it as being the foot-washing chapter. And, and indeed, when we look at it, there's a lot to be said in regard to servanthood. Jesus teaches us a lesson about servanthood when we look at the book of John chapter 13. But, but you know what? I, I think it's not just servanthood that he, that he talks about here in this passage. He talks about betrayal. I encourage you, and we're not going to take time to read that entire chapter this morning, but I encourage you to go home this afternoon. We'll look at some things in regard to that, but I encourage you to begin this afternoon to look at John chapter 13 at verse number 1 and read through that chapter and just write down how many times the concept, the idea, the fact of betrayal is mentioned in that one chapter. It's over and over and over again that the idea that Jesus is being betrayed by Judas is mentioned in the foot-washing chapter, the chapter on servanthood. And so this morning, as we look at it, we learn something about how that perfect Jesus, who lived that perfect life, who handled every situation just right, how he handled this kind of situation in his life. And so when I look at him, I know what God wants me to do. It's fortunate for me that I don't have to wonder. I can know how God wants me to handle the situations in life when my friends, when your friends, they don't act friendly toward us. Matter of fact, they hurt us, they betray us, and perhaps we could even use the word, they become our enemy. Now that's going to be important in just a few minutes. But as we think about Jesus and how he handled this situation this morning, there are four things that I want to point out for us, four things that are important to us that that I think we need to realize, that we need to know, that will help us as we live our day, uh, our life every day, facing friends that are imperfect, facing friends that sometimes are are just mean, and, and how... We, you and I as Christians, how we need to handle that thing. Well, number one, as I think about that this morning, I need to remember that Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed. Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed. Look at this chapter again. Look at John chapter 13. Look at verse 10 and verse 11 in that chapter. The Bible says, Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash. Peter, Peter, you know, at first he didn't want Jesus washing his feet. And Jesus said, Well, Peter, now if I don't do this, you don't have any part with me. And Peter said, Hey, don't just wash my feet. Give me a whole bath. Jesus said, No, that's not necessary. The one who, who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. You're clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who it was who would betray him. That's why he said, 
not all of you are clean. Now think about that statement in the middle of this foot washing. Peter and Jesus are talking and, and Jesus said, I don't need to give you a bath, Peter. You're clean. All I need to do is wash your feet so that you'll have a part with me. Everybody's clean except one of you. Except one of you. And he's gone from the dirty, stinking, nasty feet you know, the dust that they had accumulated as they'd walked to the place where they were. He's gone from the physical nastiness. He's gone from the physical dirt to the spiritual dirt to the inside. You're clean except for one of you. See, Jesus knew who it was who would betray him. Think about what he said in the book of John chapter 6 at verse number 64. He says, but there's one of you who do, uh, but there's some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who it was who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. For three and a half years, the apostles that Jesus chose, they worked with Jesus, they walked with Jesus, they saw what Jesus did, they heard what Jesus said. Jesus had chosen them to be his representatives, he had chosen them to learn from him. He had chosen them to be the ones who would carry on after he left. Jesus chose them. One of them, he was going to betray him. The Bible says Jesus knew from the beginning who it was. He knew it was Judas who was going to betray him. And so Jesus knew that, that he would be betrayed along the way. There are the passages that, that do the same thing, that talk about the same thing, but what's our point this morning? Well, we shouldn't let it surprise us that we will be betrayed. There will be people who do bad things to us. There are those people who, who mistakenly do things and hurt us. There are those who really intend to hurt us, but we shouldn't be surprised about that. There are some passages of Scripture there there are passages that you can jot down in the, in the notes over there. They're on the screen if you want to look them up. But, but they basically talk about the fact that we're going to be betrayed. Well, just look at Matthew chapter 24, verse number 10. There the Bible says, And then will many fall away and betray one another and hate one another. He's talking about that in regard to the, to the coming destruction of Jerusalem, but not just would it happen then, it's still happening today. People betray us, people hate us, people do things. And the same is true in Matthew chapter 10, verse 21, Matthew chapter 10, verse 36. And it's not just folks that we don't know, it's people who live with us, according to those passages. And so it should come as no surprise to us that, that there will be people who betray us. And, and again, there are those who do things, they hurt us, they regret it later. But it should not surprise us that these kinds of things happen to us in our life. Jesus knew who it was who would betray him. But secondly this morning, not only did Jesus know who it was who would betray him, but I want you to understand that Jesus treated Judas the same as he did all the other disciples. He treated him the same as he did all of the other men who would, who would go out later and give their life for him. Now look at, again, the book of John, chapter 13. If you have your own Bible, you may want to look at it. Look at verse number 5. The Bible just says it in these words. It says, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' 
feet and to wipe them with the towel that was around him. He began to wash the disciples' feet. Look at verse 12. Jump on down verse number 12. And when he had washed their feet, whose feet? The disciples' feet. Well, who were the disciples? Who were the ones that Jesus began? One of them was Peter. We mentioned him a while ago, didn't we? One of them was John, who was sitting beside Jesus. But I want you to understand this morning, one of them was Judas. One of them was Judas. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus got up knowing that Judas was going to betray him. And remember, that was our first point. He knew. Jesus got up knowing that Judas was going to betray him, got down on his knees and washed his stinking feet. He treated Judas just like he treated Peter. He treated Judas just like he treated John. By the way, John identifies himself in that passage in John chapter 13 as the apostle, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Just as his best friend, Jesus treated Judas just like him. Treated him the same. You know, as I think about that, I can't help but remember what is said in verses uh, 21 and 22. Jesus is making it clear that one of them is going to betray him. But look at verses 21 and 22. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you shall betray me. And the disciples looked at one another, uncertain of who he spoke. Jesus made no difference in all of the apostles, including Judas. They didn't look at Judas and say, Judas, what have you done now? They didn't look and suspect Judas and, and, and say, you know, well, I always knew there was something different about him because of the way the Lord spoke to him. They didn't know. They could not tell by the reaction of Jesus, by the actions of Jesus, that there was anything wrong between Judas and Jesus. Treated him the same as he did everybody else. The apostles didn't suspect him. No one suspected him. You know, sometimes we're a little bit different, aren't we? Matter of fact, we, want, we tend to want everybody to know who it is that hurt us. We, wanna, we want everybody to know how wrong we have been done and who did the wrong to us. We want to know, everybody to know, just how much of a dirty, rotten, low-down scoundrel that person who has betrayed us really is. So we say everything that we can, we do everything that we can so that people will know that. May I remind you of one passage and this is one that you need to think about carefully. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15. He gives us some instructions about when folks hurt us. But I want you to pay for purposes of this lesson attention to one thing. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now he goes on and says in this passage that if he refuses to hear you, you take one or two folks with you. 
He didn't say take all your friends on Facebook with you. You know, because so-and-so, they wronged me. And he didn't say tweet about it. He didn't say take a picture and put it on Instagram or do any of these other things on social media. He said if your brother does something to you, if he hurts you, if he betrays you, you go to him alone. If he won't listen to you, you take one or two with you. He goes on and says, if he won't listen to you then, after you've tried to work it out, that's when you have to go public with it. But we want to start with the public part. But in contrast to that, when Jesus was being betrayed by Judas, nobody knew that Jesus was making any difference in him and the rest of the apostles. He treated him the same as he did everybody else. Something we need to think about. Something we need to learn about. Number three on our list this morning as we continue on, I want you to understand that Jesus loved Judas in spite of the fact that he would betray him. That's an important word. Jesus loved Judas in spite of the fact that he would betray him. Look back at John 13. Look at verse number 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Who were his own? That's a good question, isn't it? Who were his own? Now it should be obvious to us that his own were the apostles who were there with him that night, including Judas, but you know, I'm not left to wonder about who his own were. Jesus prayed about his own people. Matter of fact, he, he prayed about them in the book of John chapter 17. That's not too awfully long after the events of this night took place. John chapter 17, look at verses 10 through 12. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I'm glorified in them and I am no longer in the world but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. He's praying for them. But he's talking about yours and his, God's and his these are his own that he's talking about. Well, go on down. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which, I've give, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them, my own, yours, mine, the one that he speaks about in verse number 10, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Talking about Judas. Who did Jesus love? He loved his own. How long did he love them? He loved them to the end. Who were his own? The apostles, including Judas. The one who would betray him. Jesus loved Judas in spite of the fact that he would betray him. You know, there's some pretty famous words that that a lot of folks speak whenever somebody hurts them, whenever somebody betrays them. You know what that, that one word in particular is? 
I hate him. Or I hate her for what they've done. That's so unchristlike. That's so handling it in the wrong way, with the wrong attitude. That's so unlike Jesus handled it. Because the Bible says Jesus loved his own, including Judas, and he loved him to the end. Two or three passages of Scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verse 11. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because darkness has blinded his eyes. If you're one of those folks who says about the people who've hurt you, I hate him, I hate her, you're blind. You're blind. Darkness, sin, ungodliness, worldliness has blinded you. Well, what are you blind to? Well, 1 John chapter 3, verse 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. That you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Listen to this, folks. If we're not handling it like Jesus handling, handled it, if we're hating the one who has betrayed us, who hurt us, Sin has blinded our eyes to the fact that if I remain like that, if I don't change my attitude, I will be lost. I'll lose my soul. I'll go to hell. Because somebody hurt me? No, because you handled it wrong. Revelation 2 verse 6. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. See, there's the proper response. He's talking to the church there. He said, you don't hate the church, you don't hate the sinners, but you hate the works of the Nicolaitans. You hate the sin that they were committing. You don't hate the sinner, you hate the sin. Jesus says that's an appropriate response. Unfortunately, we hate the person who's hurt us a lot of times. But notice what he says in verses 34 and 35. In the same context, remember that Judas has just gotten up and left. And what's one of the very next things after Judas walks out that Jesus says? A new commandment, I give you that you love one another. Judas is gone, he's out. Jesus has loved his own. And now, even after he's identified that one is going to betray him, and Judas has gotten up to go out to do what he's going to do, Jesus still gives some instructions as to how the apostles are to treat one another. And that is love. He goes on and says, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I think it's significant that the Lord gave that command at the place where he gave it. In spite of the fact that he was being betrayed, and in spite of the fact that his disciples would also be hurt, be betrayed, love was to continue to be the binding force, the identifying mark of God's people. 
if we're hating the one who has hurt us, who's betrayed us, I can't be identified. Nobody can tell that I'm a Christian, that I'm living for my Lord. And so, as we think about it this morning, Jesus loved Judas in spite of the fact that he had or would betray him. But then, this is very important, and I want you to catch it. Jesus knew that sometimes Judases are there for a reason. They're there for a reason. What do you mean by that? Well, look at verse 18. Jesus said, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Jesus quotes from the Psalms. Matter of fact, he quotes from Psalm 41, verse number 9. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. He said, Judas is doing what he did to fulfill Scripture. He had a purpose. God didn't force him to betray Jesus. That's not the point. But he was there for a reason. It all went down in the life of Jesus for a reason, to fulfill Scripture. That's not the only passage that deals with that idea that Jesus was, uh, or that what happened was fulfilling Scripture. John 17, verse 12 makes it clear as well. But there's still a second purpose. You may have missed this one. What is it? Well, look at verse 19. Jesus says, I'm telling you this now about the betrayal, about what Judas was doing. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I'm He. The fact that Jesus would be crucified, He lets them know let them understand so that their faith won't be so shaken. And when, when he does resurrect from the dead, they can look back. He told us. He confirmed what he said. He is who he said he is. That's the second reason. Now, that may not be the reason that you and I are betrayed, that people hurt us, so that Scripture would be fulfilled or so that we can believe something, but... But here might be the reason. What possible reason could there be for someone having hurt me? Well, it's not that God wants to see me get hurt. That's not the point. But He does want to know how I'm going to react when I am hurt. Now, you let that one sink in for a minute. He does want to know how I'm going to react. When I'm faced with difficult situations in life. Consider Hebrews 11 verse 17. By faith Abraham when he was tested. Did Abraham ever go through some tests? Oh yeah. Get up Abraham. Leave your land. Go where where you've never seen to people you don't know. Abraham get up early in the morning. Take your son. Sacrifice him to me. Did Abraham pass the test? You better believe he did. James chapter 1, verse number 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. 
James made it clear, our faith will be tested. Look at verse number 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Isn't it a shame? Isn't it amazing how many Christians fail the test? I've been hurt. And I reacted the wrong way. My heart got hard. I hated the person who hurt me, who betrayed me, who became my enemy. And I failed the test. Did it bother Jesus that Judas betrayed him? Oh yeah. Look at John 13, 21. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in spirit. It hurt. Just like it hurts us. It hurt Jesus. But he still acted right. He still acted perfectly. Now what's the point of all of the things that we've talked about this morning? Those people who hurt us, those people who betray us, those friends who don't act friendly, we really have another name for them, don't we? They become our enemy. Did you pay attention as James read this morning? Luke chapter 6, 27 through 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, so do, uh, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Love your enemies. And do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High. For He's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. You see, what Jesus really did was exemplify what He tells us to do in this passage. He lived it out. And because he lived it out, it proved that he was the Son of 
God. But did you notice what he said? If you do this, then you will be sons of the Most High. You'll be just like him. You'll be just like him. Wow. What a lesson he teaches us today. When friends aren't friendly. So what do we do about it? May I ask you something this week? This week, if there's someone who, who's hurt you, would you not get that straightened out? Would, would you go to them and treat them just like you want to be treated? Would you make it a point to do something good for that person for just one week? Not asking you to do it for the rest of your life, just do it this week. What if every one of us did that? How would the community view the church? How would it view this congregation if it looked and it said, hey, when, whenever they're hurt, when, when people betray them, when they're hurt, they still love people. They must be children of God. What a difference, my friends, it would make. When friends aren't friendly, they become enemies. But Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good. That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he lived in his life in regard to a man by the name of Judas. Who's your Judas? What have they done to you? Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you haven't acted right in regard to these matters or perhaps even some other matters in your life. You just acted bad. You know that you need public forgiveness for that. Maybe you're here you realize this morning you want to be a child of God and that you can be by putting your Lord on in baptism. Maybe you just want to know more about how to live the Christian life or how to become a Christian. We'd love to help you out. If you need to respond to the invitation of the Lord this morning, come right now as we stand and sing.